0: Hey Lisa. Hey
1: Julie. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. I'm excited for our big weekend coming up. We are we have our 10-year anniversary celebration this weekend.
0: I'm super excited. I always get nervous about these things um because I mean, we're hosting this great event. Everyone's happy to be there. And I always
1: get nervous.
0: We even, talked about this last week. Yeah. You're, you're always
1: like, Julie is always like this before we do a kickoff or a group program yes. or an event. Julia's like, we need a list. We need to have action items. We need to make sure this is done. This is done. <laughs> we need everything. And I'm as organized and as sort of, you know, I'm, I'm similar to that, but I always feel like it always goes well. It always, you know, it comes together. So I'm like, don't worry, we've got it. And you're like, all right, do we have this? Do we have this? So it's a good, but it's a good combination of like, you know, Relaxed, but also on top of things. So yeah. I feel like it's going to be great. We uh, had put up the link for tickets, which we just needed to give out for capacity sake. We didn't charge anything, and those tickets sold out—60 uh, of them—in a few hours. Yeah. So we're a little sad that we can't accommodate more people. We have a big wait list, uh, and we've asked people who can't make it to cancel so that we can fill in with wait list people. Are just limited by the capacity. So, uh, but it's so exciting to see. So many people who want to join us. And we were just looking through the list. and we have people who are coming from all uh, parts of our decade together. So people who are with us in our first training programs, and people who have just joined us, people who have found us through listening to our podcast. So we really have, a little bit of everything, which is really cool.
0: Yeah, I'm super excited. And I'm, I'm also very grateful for the people who are helping us out. In addition to Lululemon Lemon um allowing us to host our event at the store. And giving
1: us shirts to give away to our first yes. 60 attendees. Uh, so that are going to pick them up after we get off this podcast. Yay.
0: And Andy Hauser, formerly of WUSA9, who um, helped us spearhead Team Heart Love on um, WSA 9 a couple of years ago. She's going to MC. And then um, Mitch Wolf from the Bean Bag is doing the food, and Meyer Gladstone is doing the photography. And it's just, it's so nice that um, we have so many experts in our community that are willing to pitch in and help us. And we're just really grateful to have these people in our corner and um, just super excited for a fun morning. And
1: celebrate with them. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we've got a lot to do between now and then, but...
0: but oh, have got so much it'll to do. all <laughs> <good>. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So
0: much to do. So anyway, how is your week? Uh, it's good. Yeah. It's going. You
1: know, I feel like I'm at this point, at least in my training. First of all, I feel pretty recovered from my marathon Great. a little, like about a month ago now. So I feel pretty recovered, but I also feel... Maybe it's the cold weather. Maybe it's, you know, the fact I just did a marathon and Boston is still somewhat mm-hmm. in the future. I don't have any races on the immediate horizon. I feel a lull in motivation. Like The, the mental part mm-hmm. right now is what I'm trying to work on and trying to stay motivated and excited about getting out for runs when I would like to just sleep. I'm, I'm tired too. I mm-hmm. think we have a lot going on right now. Both of us work is busy. Our, our regular full-time jobs are busy. Coaching is really busy. We have this big event coming up. We have a lot of fun things on the horizon, but it's a lot. And our kids are busy, so we just have a lot going on. So I think a combination of just fatigue and the motivation and this kind of weird lull in, in the winter Is is challenging for me right now.
0: I hear you. I definitely feel that way generally in January and early February before Boston is super close. Um, where you just you have to keep your eye on the prize and stay consistent. But man, sometimes it's really hard to get out of the bed get out of bed, especially on dark cold mornings. I will say what has helped me tremendously is and I talked about this a little bit last week, I'm picking some different times to run. I do have some flexibility in my schedule lately where I mean I'm I'm working at different times and I'm able to sometimes run on a Monday or Friday, for example, more in the middle of the day. And while I like getting it out of the way in the morning, being able to sleep in and run in daylight. When it's a little warmer. It's so wonderful. It helps me so much. It, It lightens my mood a lot more than running in the dark in the morning. So I recognize it's a luxury, but it's something I didn't take advantage of before because I've always felt this sort of pull to run first thing in the morning. And so it does take a little discipline to wait and run later because you can get caught up in your day. Absolutely. But yeah. it helps me. And I know you do that as well. You run in the right. day. And so having that sunlight helps my motivation. And I think for me, the other thing that has helped my motivation in a weird way is every week that goes by without the white stuff. Yes. without I just was thinking that day. <laughs> We're almost in
1: February. So really, February is yeah. kind of our, hopefully nothing in March. So like really have to get through February. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely helps too. I, I've also, um, changing my roots. Uh-huh. I, I'm a very <laughs> boring, a predictable person and often I'll run the same roots mm-hmm. over and over again. Uh, just cause I don't have to think about it. I can yeah. zone out. It's my, my zone out time. So I, I, uh, but, but changing up my roots has, has helped, uh, Definitely help. So I think uh, you know. Today we're going to talk to Betty Deutsch, one of the uh, runners that we've followed over the past year, and her tremendous accomplishments that she's had. And one thing I really admire about her is her mental approach to not only her racing, but her training and just the way she looks at her uh, her her runs and her opportunity to run. I think that is something I took away from our call, uh, our, our talk with with Beattie today.
0: Oh, 100%. We had BD on last year and we were so impressed by her mental approach to her running. And for those who um, haven't heard of Beatty Deutsch, she is the top female Israeli runner, and she has made tremendous strides in a very short time. We initially interviewed her last year on the podcast, so definitely check that out if you haven't heard her story because she um, lives in Israel but is was born in the States and grew up in New Jersey. She has five kids. She's an Orthodox Jewish woman who runs in a skirt and has her head covered, and even on the hottest of hot days, she's covered and runs really fast. Um, she has become now a professional marathoner, professional runner. And last year when we interviewed her, she was not yet. So we wanted to have her back, not just because her, her life has changed so much, but also because so many of our listeners and us were so motivated, by the way she approaches her running and looks at it so much as a gift. And even when she's approaching really challenging workouts and races, she trusts her training, but also looks at it as an opportunity to see what her body can do. I'm curious to see what my body can do. I'm curious how much pain I'll feel at the end of this marathon. And it really reminds us so much of Dina Castor
1: and how she approaches... Running. And let your mind run her book mm-hmm. that we often recommend to our runners as a really great resource for nailing down the the mental strategies. And what i what I like about Beatty is that she looks at everything as a choice. It's not something that's put on us. You know, things may happen con- uh, circumstances may be not in our favor, but how we uh, how we approach those and how we change our mindset, it's it's really a choice. So I thought that was, That was really, um, really important. And one thing she touched on, um, you know, uh, was really the the time that she needed to um, qualify for the Olympics on the world stage had to do with her ranking. And that was a moving target because uh, you have to be ranked in the top certain number of people. And as as runners run faster times, that time that you need to get into that top 80 runners gets faster and how she talked about that moving target uh, being you know a factor in her training and uh, she didn't look at it as something that was frustrating or uh, you know that was was too challenging it was an opportunity for her to dig a little bit deeper and not rest on her laurels at, at a time that she you know at a, at a slightly slower time but didn't really have to dig deep and push a little bit more and I think she says that if, if not for that opportunity to or that challenge, uh, she might not have run that fast, so and
0: we thought that that was a very um, very parallel to what many runners experience when trying to qualify for the Boston Marathon. And given that this is a Boston Marathon podcast, we immediately started thinking about that and how so many runners we know um, would have should have qualified, but maybe missed the qualifying time. One year because they qualified but didn't meet the, the time, the cutoff, or they should have qualified, but then the time was changed because it's a moving target based on statistics. And or maybe they could have
1: qualified and they were in perfect shape to qualify, but then they had a crummy day. You know, the right. weather was bad, or they might have not felt a hundred percent. So some factor that comes into play that that kind of steals that away from you. But how you look at that. Uh, is is really determinant of, of what happens from there, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's so frustrating, and we feel that frustration as their coaches, and we want it so badly for them. And sometimes, you know, just circumstances happen. And when Beattie said that in the interview that you'll hear soon, I just thought that is a great approach well, it didn't work out or it's going to work out. And even if it doesn't work out, this opportunity is allowing me to test my limits and see how strong I can get and see how fast I can get. And but for this opportunity, I wouldn't know. And it's not dissimilar to the number of people who have qualified for the Olympic trials. It's an yeah. astounding number, many of whom got under the wire two weekends ago in Houston. Houston yeah. And you gotta wonder, is it, you know, is it that people are getting faster? Or is it that the time is a moving target?
1: That you set a high, you yes. set a high bar. You know, yeah, it's, it's it's that growth mindset. Too. Yeah, it's not this is my limits. These mm-hmm. are this is my circumstance. Oh woe is me. It's how can I how can I take advantage of this and and use it to challenge me and maybe reach something a little bit more than I uh, than I wouldn't have absent the challenge. So I think that's. That's definitely, that really got me thinking. Uh, and and I, I think we'll do a whole podcast at some point on qualifying for Boston, but I think it's worth touching on that it is, has been a little bit of a moving target. And still to this, to this day, most people who are looking to qualify for Boston will try to get about a five minute cushion to, mm-hmm. to feel safe, which at this point um, should be okay, but you just never know. So again, that's that unknown, that unknown target. And uh, we've had a lot of people ask us, well, I I haven't qualified for Boston. Could I qualify? What's my best chance of qualifying? And and there are a lot of factors that go into that. Uh, The first being, you know, is it a reasonable goal? So you do have to look at where you are now and how far you are off from that, from that goal. And that's not to be said that there aren't some people who've gone from a five hour marathon to a, 340 that they needed to qualify but that's that's a big jump. I think runners can look at some of their shorter distance races, their 5K, 10K, half marathon and use a race calculator to extrapolate to the marathon and see what is my potential right now, where I am. And then what is it going to take for me to get um to that next step and start chipping away toward toward that time. And and that uh is also requires looking at your life. Do you have the time? Do you have uh you know, is your schedule amenable to to putting in those miles? Um, is it, is it something that you really want? Is it something that is motivating to you? Is it something that you're excited about? Because if it's just something you feel like you have to do or something that's not very exciting, that's not, going to bode well through through the training. So uh, we have one runner who recently said, "Like I don't know if I'm excited about a sp- any of the spring marathons. And my response was, well, if you're not excited about a spring marathon, then maybe we look for a fall marathon. And we focus on some shorter distance things in the spring. There's no, there's no rule that you, if you, uh, the only rule for Boston is that if you want to qualify for 2021, you need to do that before early September. But there's also no rule you need to run Boston in 2021. Maybe you qualify later in the fall and then you get in for 2022. Boston will always be there. So there seems to be, I think it's detrimental when people get stuck on a particular expectation and think they have to do it a certain way in a certain time and uh, giving yourself that opportunity to look at. Well, you know what what else might I want to do? what what excites me? what what is my what practically what is my schedule like? Like is, am I to have a really busy spring where in winter and spring we're training for a marathon and trying to improve my time isn't isn't practical. So I think there are a lot of factors that people have to look at
0: definitely. And if it's someone who whose times do extrapolate to being able to um qualify, you know, there's also we're even close to qualify. I don't close think to you I think there's also things to look at with respect to wh- where's the gap what what's happening where your 5k and 10k time show that you have the potential to run a 3:45 marathon but but that person consistently is running a four you know just over 4 hour marathon what is it that that can be done to sort of chip away at that when your times do extrapolate to be able to do that and sometimes it's something as simple as getting a lot of consistent sleep because sleep is how you recover. And if you're not sufficiently recovering from workouts and you're plowing in, you know, going into one workout after another, then that's really hard to be able to, um, break down all of the work and absorb it. Recover.
1: Yeah. Right? yeah. Or
0: if, if you're someone that's done the same kind of training, um, cycle after cycle and, and Nothing has changed. That doesn't mean that the training that's been done is a waste at all. It's just taking one element of that training, maybe, and 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 reconfiguring it, and kind of figuring out what to do. Maybe it's doing a little less, um, not trying to do everything all at once. And maybe instead of doing three strength classes a week because you feel like that's what you've always done, um, instead, don't do any strength classes reconfigure the strength training so that it meets the additional running you're doing and do um, that strength training in a different way that allows it to still support your running, but not necessarily cause you to be more tired so that you can absorb the work. So I'm, I'm going off on a little tangent, but I guess what I'm trying to say is if you have a big goal where BD was talking about this, you have to look at your life as a whole, which Beatty talks about and decide how you're going to be able to accomplish that goal within reason. And if it's not the great time for you to be able to do all the things that need to be done to accomplish the goal,
1: no worries. Save the goal and, and try for it another time. Or if you're not going to think you're not going to be able to accomplish that goal right away. Yeah. Start working toward it. Make little steps toward it. So we do have a lot of people come to us and say, "I'm really far off of a yeah. Boston time, but that would be a, a you know it's a on my bucket list. I'd really like to do it at some point. I'd like to start chipping away. Yeah. That's okay. You don't have to go from point A to point B in a you know in six months, twelve months. You start chipping away, and like you said, looking at your what what you have done what you may need to tweak. And sometimes more isn't better. And and I think that's a, a really good point that, especially for Boston, a lot of people think, and we've talked about this before in the podcast, a lot of people think, I've got to go hammer the strength. I've got to go hammer the hills. I've got to run a lot of marathon pace miles. I've got to do a lot of track workouts. And that's not always the best. And that's not always what's going to work. And uh, being smart about the mileage and not running miles just to run miles is really, really important too. So, um, yeah. So I, you know, when people ask us, uh, what do I have to do to qualify for Boston? Can I qualify for Boston? Is this is a reasonable goal? Just a lot of things that we look at. And uh, even if current times don't extrapolate to that to that qualifying time, um, you're getting older too. So as you get older, it's you true. gain a little bit more time. So true. benefits come with age.
0: I like that you just said that though, because I think that, and we've talked about this before. We're we're all in some ways an experiment of one, and we're all in some ways all the same. And and what I mean by that is, we we can listen to all these different podcasts or read our all these articles about what different experts recommend with respect to marathon training, but it doesn't work for everyone. So for a coach, for example, may say the way to go to get faster at the marathon is higher mileage because when you run higher mileage and you're consistent with higher mileage, you absorb the work better. When you work, um, do the harder workouts, your body absorbs them more because they're within higher mileage. Well, that may work for um, a 35-year-old mm-hmm. male runner who's been running for 10 years and hasn't quite hit his peak. But maybe it won't work for a female runner who is postmenopausal and like has a history of some stress fractures. And so everyone is different. And that doesn't mean that everyone can't reach their potential. It just means that We have to sort of, as people, as runners, look at our own circumstances, season to season, year after year, and say... Is this working for me for where I am right now
1: in my life? And trust that. Yeah. And so not start looking around and playing the comparison game. Of, yeah. Oh, that runner is doing that. And it's easy to do now, especially so on social media mm-hmm. where you're seeing like, oh, this person training for Boston just did this workout. I don't have anything like that in my schedule. Maybe I should do it. Well, maybe you should, but maybe you shouldn't. Maybe there's a mm-hmm. good reason not to do that. So, so I think uh, that's where coaches come in handy too, or just somebody who's outside of your you know, from the outside to look in and say, well, let's look back on what's worked for you in the past. Let's look at your lifestyle. Let's look at your schedule. Um, let's look at what makes you happy. What what kind of workouts do you like? What kind of workouts feel good for you? So I think that's that's really important.
0: Yeah, I think you're really good at that, Lisa. Like, I feel like you're someone that you have always been really good at knowing what you need specifically without looking at the trends. Like, you've never been a super high mileage runner at all, because you do a lot of cross training. And we talked about this this week. You are really good at supplementing your running with cross training, but recognizing that that cross training still is training. Right. And
1: so you aren't someone that's going to be a high mileage runner. Or a lot of speed work. No. I'll give a little secret. I I haven't been to the track in, I don't remember, years probably. I, I don't do that. I tend to like to do faster running in races because i run a lot of my running alone it's hard for me to push myself mm-hmm. in those runs and 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 my runs are my time to zen out stress release and to you know, meditation yeah it's really mm-hmm. my meditation i don't want to have these expectations on me mm-hmm. of of you know a, t- a certain pace i need to hit mm-hmm. or a certain distance if i don't feel it that day so i do very little structured speed work i i try to incorporate races and that's why i'm not doing a lot of races right now this is sort of my recovery slash downtime as I start to rebuild for Boston. But once I get into, especially in the fall and it's nicer weather outside, um, I like to build in a lot more races Mm -hmm. to use as my speed work because that's where I feel motivated. And and I like that. So as opposed to knowing I have a tempo run on my schedule, I have to go do my my own, which really kind of bums me out. If I have a race on the weekends, I think, oh, that'll be fun. And then it's a fun way. So I I have, I I put up plenty of times I look at what other people are doing Mm -hmm. and think, oh, should I do that? Or, Oh, am I missing out? Or, Oh, is there something I, Mm -hmm. you know, something else I should be doing? And I have to then come back to myself and say, this is working for me. This is what I need right now. I have a lot of other things. Like you said, I've teach classes. I can't maybe, you know, can't really do that. It's not working for me right now. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I'm okay. My my race times turn out okay. So, and knock on wood, staying healthy. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we're gonna wrap up
0: because we wanna to get to BD and um we hope that our listeners find her as inspiring and motivating as we do. And um next weekend I'm running the Miami half again, I'm sure. right. That's um, next weekend I'm sure already. it will be oh it will be a lot of fun. Um and BD's gonna be there. So I really hope um, I get to see her in person. I That's feel like we already know her. True. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I hope you have a great week and happy, happy anniversary, happy <laughs> anniversary. I will
1: see you. Well, we'll see each other all weekend. Yeah. Especially on Sunday.
0: Bye. Bye. Hi, BD Deutsch. Welcome to the Run Farther and Faster podcast again. Welcome
2: back.
1: Thanks so much for
2: having me. You guys are
1: amazing. <laughs> You, you are amazing. You've had such an incredible year. And I just have to open with um, the fact that, um, you know, I was, this is Lisa, and I ran the Tiberius Marathon this year. Also, I was, we, my family had the opportunity to go to Israel for two weeks over winter break. And when we booked the trip, I looked to see if there are any races that I could maybe do while I was there. And lo and behold, the Tiberius Marathon was the day after our tour ended. So my husband and I both ran it. And I ran by you when you were on your way back. Obviously you were, I was on the way out to the turnaround, you on your way back. And I gave you a quick shout out. And I had, I came home and I told everybody that you looked so joyous when you were running. You looked like you were floating. You looked like it was like the most wonderful, joyous thing to be out there running. And it gave me a boost. And I've told several of the runners that we coach about you and how when not preparing them for racing, that they should go out and run like you with joy. So I just wanted to tell you that what a what an impression that made on me, and how clear it is when you are running with the joy that you run with. So,
2: oh, that makes me so happy. It's the truth. I was I was for most of it. I was really, really just floating, and I felt
1: so happy, and I was smiling a lot. It was amazing. You were. We should all be able to run with that much joy. So, kol kavod and mazel tov on you on your on your finish. So, we'll uh, we'll back up a little bit and and kind of talk about what's happened over the past year, but I just wanted to mention that before we get started.
0: So yeah, last time we talked to you, you had just crushed your previous PR at the Tiberius Marathon in 2018, and you ran a 242. And so you were thrilled with that, understandably, and we were so excited for you. And I remember vividly, we had mentioned the word Olympics, and you said, well, back up. I'm not sure about that, but sure, I'm, I'm... I I will make that my goal. And it's so cool because one year later, it's 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 a reality. You you made the Olympic standard. So talk to us first and uh update our listeners about what transpired from the last time we spoke where you had just achieved the 242 until last month when you ran the Tiberius Marathon again.
2: Well, so after I ran the two forty two that actually like kind of um opened the door for me to train more seriously and kind of become a professional runner for Israel, which had not been on my mind at all, and i you know I took the opportunity because like when else is it gonna when else am I gonna have the chance that chance in my life and in June I left my full-time job and I started um you know really just dedicating more time and energy and focus on my running and and not having to work full-time really g- gave me uh, gave me the you know ability to recover better and to just have more energy for my running and also really to be more present for my kids which is amazing and I, I feel so blessed that, like, I'm doing something I love and I'm able to make a career out of it and I'm able to represent Israel. So when I ran the 242, I had at the time thought, you know, I can do I can go for the Olympics because the current that, the Olympic standard then was 245. And it seemed like I would, you know, and the, the other option would be that it would go back to 237. But even that seemed like within reach. And then in March of 2019, they actually changed the standard to the most uh, difficult it's ever been because they were cutting the field in half. They're only accepting 80 marathon runners worldwide, for, and they they changed the standard to 229.30. And I remember when, when that news came out, my husband was like, and he's been my biggest supporter, but he kind of told me, he's like, well, honey, like, I know you wanted to make it to the Olympics. You're an amazing runner, but, like, you can kind of kiss those Olympic dreams goodbye. And I said, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stop fighting. And so many people told me afterward. They said, like, we feel so bad for you because, like, right when you decided to go for the Olympics, then they like the 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 standard got so much harder. And my response always was, you know, this is an opportunity. I'm gonna use this challenge. Like, I'm grateful for the for the opportunity to work on myself to become the best runner I could be. And I said it and. A year later i I really feel a hundred percent mean it because if the standard hadn't been that difficult, who knows if I would have been as motivated and worked as hard as I did to get and been as you know the the goal was really significant and meaningful to me to drive myself to run a two thirty two marathon like that wasn't even on my mind at all it didn't i never I never would have considered that time as something possible for me, you know.
0: So it's really reinforced, yeah. So it's amazing though, because there's a lot of people who who want a certain time, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your body will cooperate. So talk to us and tell us how did you whittle down your time from a two forty two, and then you ran a marathon in between in Cape Town, and that was a significant breakthrough. So talk to us about how you did that, how you went from a two forty two last year, and then about six months later. You achieved some or nine months later, I believe you achieved something in Cape Town. And how did you do that?
2: So the truth is, when I ran the 242, I knew I wasn't I, I hadn't really tapped into my potential. And I knew I definitely had a lot more because the way I trained for that race, it it was good. But it wasn't like I didn't do nearly as much intense training as I do now. Like the longest tempo run I had done was a 10K 10k tempo six miles and the and it had been at a pace of of four four minutes per kilometer or 626 per mile and so like and then I ran the marathon my average pace was was 610 per mile so I wasn't really training at the level I needed to be to be tapping into my potential so after that marathon I started working with a coach one-on-one and his methodology we did a lot of um long fart licks that when I first started doing it was really difficult because there's like no real recovery we, we alternate between very fast and like cruising pace but the cruising pace is not a real recovery so it was it was um something I had to get used to but I feel like he prepared us really really well for the marathon distance you, that way
0: how are you able to when you were first given those workouts with Um, that were markedly different um, than what you had been doing before. How were you able to sort of not feel discouraged when you were doing these new workouts that were challenging and not being able to recover and still feel the joy um, that you have felt about your running when it was becoming so hard? Was that hard to manage the challenge physically with balancing the way you want to feel when you run, which is enjoying the process?
2: Yeah, it's definitely um, something you have to balance. And I, 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 what I did was remind myself that I'm invested in a process and that I can't expect to see results overnight and that I have to know that every day I'm kind of like plugging away and some days are harder and some days are easier. Some days you feel like you're getting closer to your goal and some days you really don't. But you have to be thinking like long term and know that. If, if you're on the, on track and following a plan, you, it will come together. Even if not every day shows significant progress. So that was like one thing that I always kept in mind. Um, and I just, I repeat it to myself, like, I'm invested in a process. And because it, yeah, it can be very pressure, a lot of pressure when, first of all, like, I'm now this professional runner for Israel. And so people are expecting me to perform and improve. And I'm so new to it, I don't really know exactly what I'm doing. So I I took the pressure off myself by just saying, like, all I need to do is show up and listen to my coach, and I'm not going to – I really don't stress about numbers that much. I think when people get – like, I'm not the type of person who goes back and looks at every workout and be like, oh, my gosh, I ran this split slower or faster. Like, to me, that's not what helps you achieve your goals. Good
1: point. You mentioned um, now becoming a professional runner and you're sponsored by Nike now. I'm not. Oh, so people,
2: it's not a real sponsorship in Israel. We don't have the same shoe sponsorship model as in the States. So the extent of my sponsorship is that they give me like four pairs of shoes a year and a clothing package every three months,
1: which a lot of it I can't
2: even wear, but it's helpful helpful (laughs) in certain ways. You know,
1: (laughs) I'm not complaining. Just, just to clarify that. Talk to us a little bit more about kind of now, if you felt a shift in, um, you know, the expectations and in your approach to your training and and your, um, you know, your mental approach to training with, with being turning professional and being a professional and to whatever, you know, extent the the sponsorship is, which is a little bit different than, than in other countries, but how has that, how has that shifted, um, you know, your experience as, as a, as an athlete?
2: Yeah, so well I, I am sponsored by Israel, so there's definitely that amount right. of like, you know, and they were investing a lot to help me get toward, to qualifying for the Olympics. And then before Tiberia, the t- Tiberius Marathon in January, I had a sponsor who had like helped me with in some, some significant ways things I needed, and he basically told me like, you know, if you run the time that I needed to run, which was a two thirty two. Like, we'll, we'll go to bat for you to try and change the date of the Olympics because of Sabbath. But like, that was, he told me this like the day before the race. And I was like, Oh, no pressure. Like if I run this crazy time, like that, that, then I'll be able to try and change the date. But (laughs) so the way I deal with pressure for the most part, um, and the way that becoming professional, like when I made that decision, I also just told myself, I promised myself that I, I love running and I don't want it to become something that feels like a chore. Like I still want to maintain the joy in my running. That was really important to me. So I think what it means to be a professional is that you you're doing everything you can to reach your goals. You're taking it seriously and responsibly. So that means like I care about my nutrition. I care about my, my strength training. I care about my recovery. I have to make sure I'm getting to sleep on time. Like I'm, I'm taking the details into account and that's what I'm focused. And I'm prioritizing that that I'm doing. And I know that I'm doing my job when I'm taking all of those details, you know, seriously, but right, in so terms taking of a pressure, a hundred percent. And I need, I literally, I did my long run this morning and I came home and I didn't do anything else, but like shower, eat something and go to sleep because I was just like, my body felt exhausted. And when you're a mom and you have like in the winter, like I know if I, if I want to avoid getting sick, like this is the most important thing I got to do, you know?
0: <laughs> so yeah, yeah. it's so smart that you Shifted your mindset where I'm sure before becoming professional, you may have perceived taking a nap as a luxury, and now you recognize that it's part of your job and it's important that you take care of yourself. It's not uh, at all like a cliche like "Oh, I need to do some self care today." It's no, I have to take care of myself because it's part of my job, and it's it's wonderful that you're that you recognize that and you're not perceiving it at all as as a luxury or something extra, but it's something you have to do.
2: Right, and I think for every what I've real, I'm I I still have work on that because like the main the harder thing for me is to get to sleep on time early enough, and just because like by the time you get your kids to sleep, but like I always tell myself like my my theme is no excuses, you know, like I do we we can always have million legitimate valid excuses for why like a goal we're setting is too hard, but then I, I I challenge myself because the the excuses can either hold us back or they can be the thing that motivates us to, to work harder and become stronger. So in terms of, I, uh, yeah, the sleep is something I'm working on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love, I want to go back because I love what you said about that, particularly with respect to, um, how you approach your harder workouts and how you were able to knock your time downs at times down over the past year. I think that your words really resonate with our listeners because this is a Boston marathon focused podcast and so many of our listeners have um, had to deal with the Boston um, qualifying time sort of shifting like a moving target. And there is a parallel to what they've gone through in terms of you think you have the goal time, you know what it is, you're training for that particular time. And then all of a sudden, a year later, the time has moved again. And your approach and recognizing that, sure, that's frustrating. But instead of looking at at it as a disadvantage, you look at it as an opportunity to be a better runner. And we just think that's that's a really amazing outlook and something that one could take and approach in other asset, facets of life, not just running. So that's a terrific outlook. And with respect to what you did in Cape Town, when you knocked your time down in Tiberias, in Cape Town from Tiberias from a 2.42 to 2.36, uh, is that correct?
2: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: What, what did that feel like when you were running that race and you achieved that? How did that feel?
2: Well, I was just, I was super happy because the crazy thing is like, we, we, we can't, I did a short like altitude stint, like three weeks in Mammoth Lakes with my family. And it was probably like, it was not your typical altitude training camp. Cause I was also doing camp mommy with my five kids. So I was trying to get, you know, do the recovery, but also every day entertain the kids and, and. When we, and then we came back to Israel and we moved and we started like I had we had tons of boxes and the kids started new schools and my race was in two weeks. And that t- that taper period was the hardest thing for me. I felt the worst I've ever felt. I ran the worst I ever had. And I kind of like had very little I had very little confidence <laughs> about what I was going to be able to do in Cape Town because I couldn't feel it like I, I was doing, you know, a tempo run at slower pace than I needed to for the marathon. And and it felt like I was dying. So I and then I also had was I had picked the Cape Town course because it was a gold label course, but it doesn't typically attract so many strong athletes. And I knew I needed a specific time, like I needed to come in eighth place to get the points. And then they were going for platinum that year. So they brought in like way more elite athletes than they ever had. So I was struggling with a lot of doubt and self-doubt which and anxiety before the race. And that's not something I normally struggle with. And then when I got to Cape Town like two days before the race, I told myself, like, you have a choice. You could either be, you know, stressed and worried and feel like nothing's going to work out or you can choose to be happy and calm. And that's, you know, a very powerful when, when you are is totally relaxed and happy your body responds that to that and you perform better and so I kind of made a pact to myself that no matter what happened in the race I was going to stay happy the entire time not let anything worry me and every every, everything leading up to the race I was just going to look at everything from a positive perspective and there were like a bunch of things that happened while I was running like a guy told me I couldn't run behind him, like, for some odd reason. I was I was using him to help me block the wind, and he said no. And then, at, you know, mile 22, I threw I up. Oh. And every time these things happened, I just said to myself, like, stay happy. Like, don't even think about it. It's okay. And I was so thrilled when I crossed the finish line in two thirty-six. It was just the most incredible feeling ever. That's amazing. That, and I felt so much that when I, and I, I tell people this, like a really big, you know, way of, of if you stay calm and relaxed, you, your body is going to respond to that and you will, your performance, you will perform better. So
1: I love I've to. Seen it time and again. And I I love that you said you made a choice. Like that's all, that's our choice. We all have a choice to how we react to different situations. And I think I remember reading that you said you felt like you had, I think this was in Cape Town, that you had to keep um, justifying to people, well, I just left my five kids and I don't do this full time. You had to kind of justify uh, or, you know, qualify your, 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 your your ability to be there, your you know, maybe discount the you know before the hand that you might not perform as well because of those other factors, and that now you don't really feel the need to do that. But I, I really that resonates with me is that we all have a choice how we approach things. We can let uh, the situation affect us and drive how we feel, or we can turn it around. So that's I think that's important.
2: Yeah, it's really powerful for like whatever you're facing in life. And it comes up for me all the time. Like, you know, every, every, we're going to have obstacles that we struggle with, you know, in running, but also in everything as a parent, as in work. And like, it's so easy when you, when you, in those difficult moments to let the negative voices drown you out and weigh you down. But like I say, like you do have that choice. And if you can find the strength within yourself and just hold on to the positive, like you're always – you're going to win no matter what. <laughs> Even if you don't succeed, you, you, you've you succeeded by choosing to be positive.
0: Absolutely. I got to ask you, did you beat that guy who wouldn't let you draft off of him? Yeah, totally. Awesome. <laughs> I said
2: to myself, I'm like, ha, if you don't want me to run with you, so I'm just going to run
0: faster. <laughs> Good for you. That's perfect. That's that's great. What a jerk. Um, so with respect to um, approaching difficult situations, how are you feeling – um, now that you've heard the news that the Olympics, um, which were originally scheduled the Olympic marathon for Sunday are now on Shabbat on Saturday. I know that, uh, Israel is going to bat for you, but talk to us and tell us how you're approaching that obstacle and what's being done to support you.
2: Yes. Yeah, so when I found out, like in the moment that I read the news, I remember like, like for you know my heart sinking and it kind of felt really frustrating because like there are a hundred events in the Olympics and there's all the and you know the men's marathon is not on Shabbat, the women's other distance races are not on Shabbat, but like here the one event that I'm trying to go for like all of a sudden they had to switch it to Shabbat and the the marathon in the World Championships in Doha for women was also a Friday night, so it just kind of seemed like so crazy. How, how is that happening again? Right. But I mean, like right away after I let myself feel like a bit of frustration, I kind of like switched things around and, and like I. It's not like I spent my whole life dreaming about making it to the Olympics. It's only been something on my mind for the past year. And ultimately, like my goal has always been to be a you know positive role model for the Jewish people. And and like I very much feel that you know God has guided me on this path. And like I, I credit all my success hundred <laughs> percent to. God being the, the force behind it also. Like if if it's meant to be that I meant to run in the marathon, it will come together and the date will be able to be changed. And if it's not part of God's plan for me, like I fully accept that. And I look at it as this was an opportunity for me to to qualify and to get to be the best runner I could be. But maybe I'm not meant to be on that stage and that's okay also. And like I really, I'm really okay with it. Like <laughs> I, I barely think, I don't even think about it right now. I'm just doing, you know, because I've also heard – Professional athletes talk about how there's other there are other competitions out there. The Olympics are not the only thing, and and I think like you have to put everything in perspective.
0: I love that, and I love the fact that you have your eye on what your primary goal is for you, and that is to be a role model for the Jewish people, and you already are. You're a role model for so many people, particularly women of any faith that feel that. You know, At any point that they may feel that they need to compromise their values and beliefs, they can look to you and see that it is possible to maintain your beliefs, your values, stay true to who you are, and still do what you love to do. So talk to us. Is Nike going to work with you to make some clothing for you, particularly skirts and um, <laughs> quarter sleeve to long sleeve shirts now that you've proven that you can easily run in these and you deserve a line? <laughs>
2: I really hope they they come around because they made the hijab and it was funny like at one point they were asking me if I'd wear a hijab. I'm like, "Well, oh. I'm not going to cover up more than I have to right now, you know." Yeah. I'm already- <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not taking a hijab, but and, and and I think like they'd be surprised. There are a lot more women out there who want to run in skirts and who want modest options, not even just Jews. Like I've come across 100 like hundreds of Christian runners who love the skirt also. And I mean, I designed something for myself, like a Nike dry shirt because they do have really great materials and it's, it's really light and I love it. So I don't know, as of right now, it's not in the product line and I'm not the most uh, fashion forward person, but I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying it won't happen. It might happen in a few years down the line. Like in certain ways, my career is kind of just getting, like I have a good five years to keep running, you know, so at least, (laughs) at least. (laughs) It's something I'd love to see. Yeah, at least I'm going to continue running, for God willing, my whole
0: life. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. we have no doubt that you will continue Um, to set... We have no doubt that you'll continue to set records, however they're defined, but we think you deserve to at least be represented in some sort of clothing Mm -hmm. line, so if Nike doesn't come through Maybe we can help you talk to Lululemon at some point. I
1: think that may be your your next profession when you decide to wind down some of your – yeah. That would be really cool. Of the running that maybe you can design a line because we think, you know, we think that you'd do a good job.
0: People would buy it. So um, we also wanted to ask you, um, after Cape Town, when you knocked your time down to 2.36 and you realized that you still wanted to run faster, of course, for Tiberius how difficult was that period of training? Because you had to recover from Cape Town and you really didn't have a ton of time between Cape Town and Tiberias to recover and then knock even more time off of that incredible 236. How did you manage that um, without getting injured?
2: That's a good question. That's funny. I I don't know if my coach is different, but... I don't take, I haven't taken a ton of time off after the marathons, but I also know my body. Like after Cape Town, I like, I sprinted to the finish at Cape Town. So I kind of felt like I had almost been a little bit conservative at the end. Like there was still in me uh, more in me and, and I recovered very well. Like I didn't feel, I really didn't feel tired. Like I felt really good. So I was like really eager to get back to training and I knew I had the Tiberius marathon on my mind now obviously like I, I took you know i took a couple days off from running and and i um and i didn't go right back to full mileage like i built up but my coach is good at like about period period periodizing training if that's the right word like mm-hmm. we spent like the first few weeks like um he, he helped build power with like hill repeats and then, you know, the mileage also was a progress. Like I, I got up to like my peak mileage for for this most recent buildup was close, to, was about 95, almost 100 miles a week, which is the most I've ever done. I had like a good five weeks of like a good five to six weeks of 95 miles a week. But that like we built up to it. And he really also quite cares a lot about making sure, you know, I'm not doing more than I need to like not just running unnecessary high mileage, like we focus on quality. And um, I did, instead of doing more mileage, I would spend like two, two days a week swimming also. So I'd get in some aerobic workout, but like no impact. And I think that really helped me. And that was good for recovery also. And I put a lot of emphasis on like getting body work regularly, like either going to like a a chiropractor or really like I went to like some a really intense massage therapist that like it's painful like crazy painful (laughs) like you don't want to do you don't want to put yourself through that torture unless you have to yeah it helped me keep my body so like properly like recovered and and if you don't take care of your but if you don't take care of your body like you're not going to be able to uh to you know, get the most out of it and to do, maintain the mileage and everything that I'm, I'm doing. So I realized like I need to invest in the, the recovery to be able to, to improve. And the last thing was that I was, I'm always struggling with like anemia and like I've had not anemia as much as, much as like low hemoglobin. Like I don't have, because of my celiac disease, like and my system took a long time to clear out. Like I never even fully, like I was low hemoglobin. In that cycle. And when I realized that I was able to, um, get an iron IV and that made like a huge difference to me. Like I was, I had, I, when I was able to raise my hemoglobin, like I felt a really big difference in my performance and my running. Like I could just like do workouts without dying through them. And so I encourage every runner to like, just make sure if you're not, you know, people who are feeling tired or whatever, it's important to, to check your, test your blood and, and just make sure you're healthy and all that, you know, and you have everything. Like if you need to supplement certain things like, you know, B12 or, or iron, or magnesium to be aware of it because when you're running a lot and when you're training for a marathon, it does put a lot on your body. So it's really, really important to be in tune with your body as much as possible.
1: Yeah. And I think we also as as moms, as busy professionals and just in life, we might attribute that a lot of times just to, well, of course I'm tired. I have a lot going on or I'm training a lot. So you're right, that's that's important and we actually have exactly, this conversation. 100%. with with our runners, some of our runners this week who have other things, you know, they're feeling weird, like body aches or pains, and it may not be something physical, but it may be something related to a deficiency. So that's a really, a really good point. At what what point in Tiberius did you realize that you were going to hit that 232? And I think I read on your social media that your husband had been the one to kind of analyze things and say, wow, you really actually need a 2.32 to get where you need to be in the rankings. Uh, Was there a point that you realized, wow, I'm really going to – I'm going to hit this in in the marathon? Oh, in
2: the marathon? Yeah, Tiberius. Did you realize – so, so, training for Tiberius, I didn't set the goal of 232 when I started training. My right. goal was to go for, like, a 234, which – so, like, it, I, I only decided, like, you know, three weeks before the race, like, hey, I've got to, like, do this. Even though it's crazy, I've got to go for it. So, during the race, I had a pacer, like – and he was only supposed to pace me for the first uh, 30 kilometers. And he ended up – and that's – until that point, I was feeling really great. But I was and then at 30 kilometers, things started to get a little harder, but I was still hanging in. He said, he will go another two K with me because he saw I was really the only one I was running by myself. I came in fourth overall. so like yeah. There was no one really with me at all. So he went the next two. And then so I would say at that point, like I, I, I knew I, ha- I kind of knew I had it. But at the same time, like, you know, that they say the marathon owes you nothing. And, and like I all of a sudden realized what that meant. When, like, it was getting so tough and, like, I was so determined, like, I'm not going to let the second slip by this time because I have had races where in those final, like, kilometers, like, not 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 marathons, but more like half marathon or 10K, like, I've watched watched my goal time, like, not actually quite hit it. And I was just like, I'm doing everything I can to to stay with that pacer he he ran all the way to the end with me wow and so like when I crossed the finish line of the marathon he it was spontaneous his first marathon ever <laughs> he, he was able to go
1: all,
2: all the way because they give you like great prizes they're awesome but I <laughs> crossed the finish line knowing for the first time ever really that I had left every single part of me on the course, like there was nothing left within me to give, and like I was so satisfied that I felt like I'd given it 100% my all. But I'd and I also I reached my goal. I did a two thirty two twenty five, so it was very very satisfying.
1: There's something to be said, I think, with putting you know your your goal. Like you, your husband had told you this was the time that you needed, and you had that in your head. I think that something you said, and I will say the last few kilometers of that course, it was getting warm too so extra kudos to you for that it started getting really warm toward the end of the race so to be able to finish that strong and hold on to every second that is that is incredible
0: and given that you just said that you generally don't push yourself to that degree you probably felt some pain too do you remember how you were able to use that pain to channel your energy and finish without slowing down do you remember what you told yourself if there's anything yeah it was it
2: was it was so hard but I knew going into it was going to be hard and I prepped myself like two things I heard that helped that I was like up, that I kept in mind I had, um, one was that instead of thinking like I have five more miles to go I said I get to run mm-hmm. five more miles like it's a privilege and I'm so excited mm-hmm. to have that opportunity Love and, that. and I, I your mindset what you tell your mind like literally it's just crazy but it totally affects how your body responds so you have to always choose the positive way of framing things and then another idea was like i i went into the pain people are we're always like kind of scared of pain and we're almost taught to be like to, sh- to stay away from pain to avoid it as much as possible and and my my approach was like i'm curious to see like what is my body able to endure. like i'm i'm not going in here like scared of it i'm going in here like curious to like see how it's going to feel like so that was just like a whole nother way of looking at it. like i was like like i can't believe what i'm going to be able you know endure and I would say that the thing the in, it was really, really helpful that I had the pacer there because there was no like guesswork about like, like a lot of times in the last five kilometers, you have to like balance between wanting to get everything out of your body, but also making sure you don't die too soon. You know, like you don't want to, you don't want to stop, you know lose it before you actually cross the finish line and that has always been my difficult the difficult place for me because I'll like be scared to go all out and and nervous that I'm not gonna make it and then in the last kilometer all of a sudden find that I can sprint to the finish right so what I realized so when I had the pacer there I knew like I I don't, I don't care how hard it is like all I have to do is just like stay with him and if I could just stay with him for this kilometer like one kilometer at a time like I'm okay and I'm not gonna think about how am I gonna get through the next one even if it's difficult like just keep him in your sight. And that kept me going. And like three kilometers to go, my coach told me like my legs were shaking. Like I looked like I was gonna, cause I was so finished. Like I, I couldn't even take in fluid for the last 10 K It was like hard for me. And that, and he said, and I remember he said, relax. Like, he's like, if you stay on this pace, you're fine. You don't have to go faster. Just relax. And I, I let my whole body relax. Cause a lot of times we tense up when we're, when we're working so hard. and, And if you force things like, again, you need to be relaxed. So I relaxed and then he I remember him shouting like like a 1k to go. He was like, This is what we train for in group oh. But and I was thinking like, Oh yeah, you're right. Like I trained hard for this everything, all the days and the weeks and the, the grind that I went through. I'm like, I am just getting there. Like and that like powered me to the end. And my kids were at like a hundred meters. Oh. Like I, I was so happy to see hear them and see them. And the crazy thing is like you look at me crossing the finish line like I was so happy, but I wasn't smiling because I was just so finished. you know That's sure. the first thing I
1: thought when i me, I saw the greatest proof. Yeah, I saw them post your yeah. your finish line picture on uh, the you know the marathon social media on their Facebook page. And I said, boy, she's usually looking much, you know, you look much happier when I saw you earlier, but you could tell you really put it out, put everything out, and you just put everything into the finishing strong. So that is that is yeah. incredible.
0: Well, BD, we don't want to take up more of your time because it's your bedtime in Israel, and we we are so <laughs> exactly. we are so grateful because we have so many listeners who really follow your story because you're such a role model for all runners, not just um, runners who are seeking faster times, runners who are running marathons. I'm telling you, for all runners, people just love hearing your story, your journey, and we know this is still only the beginning. So. I hope to see you in Miami. Um, I'll be there in a few weeks yeah, and I will so excited. do my best to try and find you because I would love to see you in person. But we want to thank you so much for your time and we look forward to staying in touch and mazel tov. Um, you're amazing. So Thank
2: you so much for having me and I hope you can both continue to inspire and coach and help many runners reach their goals. It's really incredible.
0: Thank you so much, BD. Have a great
1: day. Thanks. Lila Toe. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.